This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Heather Barnett. A Girl of the Limberlost by Jean Stratton Porter. Chapter 6 Wherein Mrs. Comstock Indulges in Frills and Billy Reappears. It was Wesley Sinton who really wrestled with Elnora's problem while he drove about his business. He was not forced to ask himself what it meant. He knew. The old Corson gang was still holding together. Elder members, who had escaped the law, had been joined by a younger brother of Jack's, and they met in the thickest of the few remaining fast places of the swamp to drink, gamble, and loaf. Then suddenly there would be a robbery in some country house where a farmer that day had sold his wheat or corn and had not paid a visit to the bank or in some neighboring village. The home of Mrs. Comstock and Elnora joined the swamp. Sinton's land lay next, and not another residence or man easy to reach in case of trouble. Whoever wrote that note had some human kindness in his breast, but the fact stood revealed that he feared his strength if Elnora were delivered into his hands. Where had he been the previous night when he heard that prayer? Was that the first time he had been in such proximity? Sinton drove fast, for he wished to reach the swamp before Elnora and the bird-woman would go there. At almost four he came to the case, and dropping on his knees studied the ground, every sense alert. He found two or three little heel-prints. Those were made by Elnora or the bird-woman. What Sinton wanted to learn was whether all the remainder were the footprints of one man. It was easily seen they were not. There were deep, even tracks made by fairly new shoes, and others where a well-worn heel cut deeper on the inside of the print than at the outer edge. Undoubtedly some of Corson's old gang were watching the case, and the visits of the women to it. There was no danger that any one would attack the bird-woman. She never went to the swamp at night, and on her trips in the daytime every one knew that she carried a revolver, understood how to use it, and pursued her work in a fearless manner. Elnora, prowling around the swamp and lured into the interior by the flight of moths and butterflies, Elnora, without father, money, or friends save himself to defend her, Elnora was a different proposition. For this to happen just when the limberlust was bringing the very desire of her heart to the girl, it was too bad. Sinton was afraid for her, yet he did not want to add the burden of fear to Catherine Comstock's trouble, or to disturb the joy of Elnora in her work. He stopped at the cabin and slowly went up the walk. Mrs. Comstock was sitting on the front steps with some sewing. The work seemed to Sinton as if she might be engaged in putting a tuck in a petticoat. He thought of how Margaret had shortened Elnora's dress to the accepted length for girls of her age, and made a mental note of Mrs. Comstock's occupation. She dropped her work on her lap, laid her hands on it, and looked into his face with a sneer. "'You didn't let any grass grow under your feet,' she said. Sinton saw her white, drawn face and comprehended. "'I went to pay a debt and see about this opening of the ditch, Kate.' "'You said you were going to prosecute me.' "'Good gracious, Kate,' cried Sinton. "'Is that what you have been thinking all day? I told you before I left yesterday that I would not need do that, and I won't. We can't afford to quarrel over Elnora. She's all we've got. Now that she has proved that if you don't do just what I think you ought by way of clothes and schooling she can take care of herself—' I put that out of my head. What I came to see you about is a kind of scare I've had today. I want to ask you if you ever see anything about the swamp that makes you think the old Corson gang is still at work. Can't say that I do, said Mrs. Comstock. 
there's kind of dancing lights there sometimes but i supposed it was just people passing along the road with lanterns folks hereabout are none too fond of the swamp i hate it like death i've never stayed here a night in my life without robert's revolver clean and loaded under my pillow and the shotgun same condition by the bed i can't say that i'm afraid here at home i'm not i can take care of myself but none of the swamp for me well i'm glad you are not afraid kate because i must tell you something elnora stopped at the case this morning and somebody had been into it in the night broke the lock no used a duplicate key to-day i heard there was a man there last night i want to nose around a little sinton went to the east end of the cabin and looked up at the window there was no way any one could have reached it without a ladder for the logs were hewed and mortar filled the cracks even then he went to the west end the willow faced him as he turned the corner he examined the trunk carefully there was no mistake about small particles of black swamp muck adhering to the sides of the tree he reached the low branches and climbed the willow there was earth on the large limb crossing elnora's window he stood on it holding the branches had been done the night before and looked into the room he could see very little but he knew that if it had been dark outside and sufficiently light for elnora to study inside he could have seen vividly he brought his face close to the netting and he could see the bed with its head to the east at its foot the table with the candles and the chair before it and then he knew where the man had been who had heard elnora's prayer mrs comstock had followed around the corner and stood watching him do you think some slinkin' hulk was up there peekin' in at elnora she demanded indignantly there's muck on the trunk and plenty on the limb said sinton hadn't you better get a saw and let me take this branch off no i hadn't said mrs comstock first place elnora's climbed from that window on that limb all her life and it's hers second place no one gets ahead of me after i've had a warning any crow that perches on that roost again will get its feathers somewhat scattered look along the fence there and see if you can find where he came in the place was easy to find as was a trail leading for some distance west of the cabin you just go home and don't fret yourself said mrs comstock i'll take care of this if you should hear the dinner bell at any time in the night you come down but i wouldn't say anything to elnora she better keep her mind on her studies if she's going to school when the work was finished that night elnora took her books and went to her room to prepare some lessons but every few minutes she looked toward the swamp to see if there were lights near the case mrs comstock raked together the coals in the cooking-stove got out the lunch-box and sitting down she studied it grimly at last she arose wonder how it would to show mag sinton a frill or two she murmured she went to her room knelt before a big black walnut chest and hunted through its contents until she found an old-fashioned cook-book she tended the fire as she read and presently was in action she first sawed an end from a fragrant juicy sugar-cured ham and put it to cook then she set a couple of eggs boiling and after long hesitation began creaming butter and sugar in a crock an hour later the odor of the ham mingled with some of the richest spices of happy araby in a combination that could mean nothing save spice cake crept up to elnora so strongly that she lifted her head and sniffed amazedly she would have given all her precious money to have gone down and thrown her arms around her mother's neck but she did not dare move mrs comstock was up early and without a word handed elnora the case as she left the next morning thank you mother said elnora and went on her way she walked down the road looking straight ahead till she came to the corner where she usually entered the swamp she paused glanced that way and smiled then she turned and looked back 
there was no one coming in any direction she followed the road until well around the corner then she stopped and sat on a grassy spot laid her books beside her and opened the lunch-box last night's odours had in a measure prepared her for what she would see but not quite she could scarcely believe her senses half the bread compartment was filled with dainty sandwiches of bread and butter sprinkled with the yolk of egg and the remainder with three large slices of the most fragrant spice-cake imaginable the meat-dish contained shaved cold ham of which she knew the quality the salad was tomatoes and celery and the cup held preserved pear clear as amber there was milk in the bottle two tissue-wrapped cucumber pickles in the folding drinking-cup and a fresh napkin in the ring no lunch was ever daintier or more palatable of that elnora was perfectly sure and her mother had prepared it for her she does love me cried the happy girl sure as you're born she loves me only she hasn't found it out yet she touched the papers daintily and smiled at the box as if it were a living thing as she began closing it a breath of air swept by lifting the covering of the cake it was like an invitation and breakfast was several hours away elnora picked up a piece and ate it that cake tasted even better than it looked then she tried a sandwich how did her mother come to thinking of making them that way they never had any at home she slipped out the fork sampled the salad and one quarter of pear then she closed the box and started down the road nibbling one of the pickles and trying to decide exactly how happy she was but she could find no standard high enough for a measure she was to go to the bird woman's after school for the last load from the case saturday she would take the arrow points and specimens to the bank that would exhaust her present supplies and give her enough money ahead to pay for books tuition and clothes for at least two years she would work early and late gathering nuts in october she would sell all the ferns she could find she must collect specimens of all tree leaves before they fell gather nests and cocoons later and keep her eyes wide open for anything the grades could use she would see the superintendent that night about selling specimens to the ward buildings she must be ahead of any one else if she wanted to furnish these things so she approached the bridge that it was occupied could be seen from a distance as she came up she found the small boy of yesterday awaiting her with a confident smile we brought you something he announced without greeting this is jimmy and bell and we brought you a present he offered a parcel wrapped in brown paper why how lovely of you said elnora i suppose you had forgotten me when you ran away so fast yesterday no nah, i wouldn't forget you said the boy i wouldn't forget you not ever why i was just a hurrying to take them things to jimmy and bell my they was glad elnora glanced at the children they sat at the edge of the bridge obviously clad in a garment each very dirty and unkempt a little boy and a girl of about seven and nine elnora's heart began to ache say said the boy ain't you going to look what we gave you i thought it wasn't polite to look before people answered elnora of course i will if you would like to have me elnora opened the package she had been presented with a quarter of a stale loaf of baker's bread and a piece of ancient bologna but don't you want this yourselves she asked in surprise gosh no i mean ist no said the boy we always have it we got stacks this morning pa's come out of it now and he's so sorry he got more and ever we can eat have you had any before no said elnora i never did the boy's eyes brightened and the girl moved restlessly we thought maybe you hadn't said the boy first you ever have you like it real well but when you don't have anything else for a long time years and years you get so tired 
he hitched at the string which held his trousers and watched elnora speculatively i don't suppose you'd trade what you got in that box for istled bread and bologna now would you maybe you'd like it and i know i is know what you got would taste like heaven to jimmy and bell they never got nothing like that not even bell and she's most ten no siree they'd never tasted things like you got it was in elnora's heart to be thankful for even t a taste in time as she knelt on the bridge opened the box and divided her lunch into three equal parts the smaller boy getting most of the milk then she told them it was school time and she must go why don't you put your bread and bologna in the nice box asked the boy of course said elnora i didn't think when the box was arranged to the children's satisfaction all of them accompanied elnora to the corner where she turned toward the high school billy said elnora i would like you much better if you were cleaner surely you have water can't you children get some soap and wash yourselves gentlemen are never dirty you want to be a gentleman don't you is being clean all you have to do to be a gentleman no said elnora you must not say bad words and you must be kind and polite to your sister must belle be kind and polite to me else she ain't a lady yes then belle's no lady said billy succinctly elnora could say nothing more just then and she bade them good-bye and started home the poor little soul she mused i think the almighty put them in my way to show me real trouble i won't be likely to spend much time pitying myself while i can see them she glanced at the lunch-box what on earth do i carry this for i never had anything that was so strictly ornamental one sure thing i can't take this stuff to the high school you never seem to know exactly what is going to happen to you while you are there as if to provide a way out of her difficulty a big dog rose from a lawn and came toward the gate wagging his tail if those children ate the stuff it can't possibly kill him thought elnora so she offered the bologna the dog accepted it graciously and being a beast of pedigree he trotted along to a side porch and laid the bologna before his mistress the woman snatched it screaming come quick some one is trying to poison pedro her daughter came running from the house go see who is on the street hurry cried the excited mother ellen brownlee ran and looked elnora was half a block away and no one near ellen called loudly and elnora stopped ellen came running toward her did you see any one give our dog something she cried as she approached elnora saw no escape i gave it a piece of bologna myself she said it was fit to eat it wouldn't hurt the dog ellen stood and looked at her of course i didn't know it was your dog explained elnora i had something i wanted to throw to some dog and that one looked big enough to manage it ellen had arrived at her conclusions pass over that lunch-box she demanded i will not said elnor then i will have you arrested for trying to poison our dog laughed the girl as she took the box one chunk of stale bread one half mile of antique bologna contributed for dog feed the remains of cake salad and preserves in an otherwise empty lunch-box one ham sandwich yesterday i think it's lovely you have the box who ate your lunch to-day same confessed elnora but there were three of them this time wait until i run back and tell mother about the dog and get my books elnora waited that morning she walked down the hall and into the auditorium beside one of the very nicest girls in Anabasha, and it was the fourth day but the surprise came at noon when ellen insisted upon elnora lunching at the brownlee home and convulsed her parents and family and overwhelmed elnora with the greatly magnified but moderately accurate history of her lunch-box 
"'Gee, but it's a box, Daddy!' cried the laughing girl. "'It's carved leather and fastened with the strap that has her name on it. "'Inside are trays for things all complete, "'and it bears evidence of having enclosed delicious food. "'But Elnora never gets any. "'She's carried it two days now, and both times has been empty before she reached school. "'Isn't that killing?' "'It is, Ellen, in more ways than one. "'No girl is going to eat breakfast at six o'clock, "'walk three miles, and do good work without her lunch.' "'You can't tell me anything about that box. "'I sold it last Monday night to Wesley Sinton, "'one of my good country customers. "'He told me it was a present for a girl who was worthy of it, "'and I see he was right.' "'He's so good to me,' said Elnora. "'Sometimes I look at him and wonder if a neighbor can be so kind to one "'what a real father would be like. "'I envy a girl with a father unspeakably.' "'You have cause,' said Ellen Brownlee. "'A father is the very dearest person in the whole round world, "'except a mother, who is just a dear.' The girl, starting to pay tribute to her father, saw that she must include her mother, and said the thing before she remembered what Mrs. Sinton had told the girls in the store. She stopped in dismay. Elnora's face paled a trifle, but she smiled bravely. "'Then I'm fortunate in having a mother,' she said. Mr. Brownlee lingered at the table after the girls had excused themselves and returned to school. "'There's a girl Ellen can't see too much of, in my opinion,' he said. She is every inch a lady, and not a foolish notion or action about her. I can't understand just what combination of circumstances produced her in this day. It has been an unusual case of repression, for one thing. She waits on her elders and thinks before she speaks, said Mrs. Brownlee. She's mighty pretty. She looks so round and wholesome, and she's neatly dressed. Ellen says she was a fright the first two days. Long brown calico dress, almost touching the floor, and big lumbering shoes. The Sitton people bought her clothes. Ellen was in the store, and the woman stopped her crowd and asked them about their dresses. She said the girl was not poor, but her mother was selfish and didn't care for her. But Elnora showed a bank-book the next day and declared that she had paid for the things herself, so the Sitton people must have just selected them. There's something peculiar about it, but nothing wrong, I'm sure. I'll encourage Ellen to ask her again. I should say so, especially if she is going to keep on giving away her lunch. She lunched with the bird-woman one day this week. She did? "'Yes, she lives out by the Limberlost. "'You know the bird-woman works there a great deal, "'and probably knows her that way. "'I think the girl gathers specimens for her. "'Ellen says she knows more than the teachers "'about any nature question that comes up, "'and she's going to lead all of them in mathematics "'and make them work in any branch.' "'When Elnora entered the coat-room "'after having had luncheon with Ellen Brownlee, "'there was such a difference in the atmosphere "'she could feel it. "'I'm almost sorry I have these clothes,' she said to Ellen. "'In the name of sense, why?' cried the astonished girl. Every one is so nice to me in them, it sets me to wondering if in time I could have made them be equally friendly in the others. Ellen looked at her introspectively. "'I believe you could,' she announced at last, "'but it would have taken time and heartache, and your mind would have been less free to work on your studies. No one is happy without friends, and I just simply can't study when I am unhappy.' That night the bird-woman made the last trip to the swamp. Every specimen she possibly could use had been purchased at a fair price, and three additions had been made to the bank-book, carrying the total a little past two hundred dollars. There remained the Indian relics to sell on Saturday, and Elnora had secured the order to furnish material for nature work for the grades. Life suddenly grew very full. There was the most excitingly interesting work for every hour, and that work was to pay high school expenses and start the college fund. There was one little rift in her joy. All of it would have been so much better if she could have told her mother and given the money into her keeping, but the struggle to get a start had been so terrible Elnora was afraid to take the risk. 
when she reached home she only told her mother that the last of the things had been sold that evening i think said mrs comstock that we will ask wesley to move that box over here back of the garden for you there you are apt to get told farther into the swamp than you intend to go and you might mire or something there ought to be just the same things in our woods and along our swampy places as there are in the limberlost can't you hunt your stuff here i can try said elnora i don't know what i could find until i do our woods are undisturbed and there is a possibility they might be even better hunting than the swamp but i wouldn't have freckles case moved for the world he might come back some day and not like it i've tried to keep his room the best i could and taking out the box would make a big hole in one side of it store-boxes don't cost much i will have uncle wesley buy me one and set it up wherever hunting looks the best early in the spring i would feel safer at home shall we do the work or have supper first let's do the work said elnora i can't say that i'm hungry now doesn't seem as if i ever could be hungry again with such a lunch i'm quite sure no one carried more delicious things to eat than i mrs comstock was pleased i put in a pretty good hunk of cake did you divide it with any one why yes i did admitted elnora who this was becoming uncomfortable i ate the biggest piece myself said elnora and gave the rest to a couple of boys named jimmy and billy and a girl named bell they said it was the very best cake they ever tasted in all their lives mrs comstock sat straight i used to be a master hand at spice cake she boasted but i'm a little out of practice i must get to work again with the very weeds growing higher than our heads we should raise plenty of good stuff to eat on this land if we can't afford anything else but taxes elnora laughed and hurried upstairs to change her dress margaret sinton came that night bringing a beautiful blue one in its place and carried away the other to launder do you mean to say those dresses are to be washed every two days questioned mrs comstock they have to be to be fresh replied margaret we want our girl sweet as a rose well of all things cried mrs comstock every two days any girl who can't keep a dress clean longer than that is a dirty girl you'll wear the goods out and fade the colors with so much washing we'll have a clean girl anyway well if you like the job you can have it said mrs comstock i don't mind the washing but i'm so inconvenient with an iron elnora sat late that night working over her lessons next morning she put on her blue dress and ribbon and in those she was a picture mrs comstock caught her breath with a queer stirring around her heart and looked twice to be sure of what she saw as elnora gathered her books her mother silently gave her the lunch-box feels heavy said elnora gaily and smelly like as not i'll be called upon to divide again then you divide said mrs comstock eating is the one thing we don't have to economize on elnora spite of all i can do food goes to waste in this soil every day if you can give some of those city children a taste of the real thing why don't be selfish elnora went down the road thinking of the city children with whom she would probably divide of course the bridge would be occupied again so she stopped and opened the box i don't want to be selfish murmured elnora but it really seems as if i can't give away this lunch if mother did not put love into it she substituted something that's likely to fool me she almost felt her steps lagging as she approached the bridge a very hungry dog had been added to the trio of children elnora loved all dogs and as usual this one came to her in friendliness the children said good morning with alacrity and another paper parcel lay conspicuous how are you this morning inquired elnora all right cried the three while the dog sniffed ravenously at the lunch-box and beat a perfect tattoo with his tail how did you like the bologna questioned billy eagerly one of the girls took me to lunch at her home yesterday answered elnora 
dawn broke beautifully over Billy's streaked face. He caught the package and thrust it toward Elnora. "'Then maybe you'd like to try the bologna today?' The dog leaped in glad apprehension of something, and Belle scrambled to her feet and took a step forward. The look of famished greed in her eyes was more than Elnora could endure. It was not that she cared for the food so much. Good things to eat had been in abundance all her life. She wanted with this lunch to try to absorb what she felt must be an expression of some sort from her mother, and if it were not a manifestation of love she did not know what to think it. But it was her mother who had said, "'Be generous.' She knelt on the bridge. "'Keep back the dog,' she warned the elder boy. She opened the box and divided the milk between Billy and the girl. She gave each a piece of cake, leaving one and a sandwich. Billy pressed forward eagerly, bitter disappointment on his face, and the elder boy forgot his charge. "'Ah, I thought they'd be me,' lamented Billy. Elnora could not endure that. "'There is,' she said gladly. "'There is a little pigeon-bird. I want a teeny piece of the breast, for a sort of keepsake, just one bite, and you can have the rest among you.' Elnora drew the knife from its holder and cut off the wishbone. Then she held the bird toward the girl. "'You can divide it,' she said. The dog made a bound, and seizing the squab, sprang from the bridge and ran for life. The girl and boy hurried after him. With awful eyes, Billy stared and swore tempestuously. Elnora caught him and clapped her hand over the little mouth. A delivery wagon came tearing down the road, the horse running full speed, passed the fleeing dog with the girl and boy in pursuit, and stopped at the bridge. High school girls began to roll from all sides of it. "'A rescue! A rescue!' they shouted. It was Ellen Brownlee and her crowd, and every girl of them carried a big parcel. They took in the scene as they approached. The fleeing dog with something in its mouth, the half-naked girl and boy chasing it, told the story. Those girls screamed with laughter as they watched the pursuit. "'Thank goodness I saved the wishbone,' said Elnora. "'As usual, I can prove there was a bird.' She turned toward the box. Billy had improved the time. He had the last piece of cake in one hand, and the last bite of salad disappeared in one great gulp. Then the girls shouted again. "'Let's have a sample ourselves,' suggested one. She caught up the box and handed out the remaining sandwich. Another girl divided it into bites, each little over an inch square, and then she lifted the cup lid and deposited a preserved strawberry on each bite. "'One, two, three, all together now!' she cried. "'You mean old things!' screamed Billy. In an instant he was down in the road, and handfuls of dust began to fly among them. The girls scattered before him. "'Billy!' cried Elnora. "'Billy, I'll never give you another bite if you throw dust on anyone!' Then Billy dropped the dust, poured both fists into his eyes, and fled sobbing into Elnora's new blue skirt. She stooped to meet him, and consolation began. Those girls laughed on. They screamed and shouted until the little bridge shook. "'Tomorrow might as well be a clear day,' said Ellen, passing around and feeding the remaining berries to the girls as they could compose themselves enough to take them. "'Billy, I admire your taste more than your temper.' Elnora looked up. "'The little soul is nothing but skin and bones,' she said. "'I never was really hungry myself. Were any of you?' "'Well, I should say so,' cried a plump, rosy girl. "'I'm famished right now. Let's have breakfast immediate.' "'We got to refill this box first, said Ellen Brownlee. "'Who's got the butter?' A girl advanced with a wooden tray. "'Put it in the preserve cup. A little strawberry flavor won't hurt it. Next?' called Ellen. A loaf of bread was produced, and Ellen cut off a piece which filled the sandwich box. Next, a bottle of olives was unwrapped. The grocer's boy, who was waiting, opened that, and Ellen filled the salad dish. Next, a bag of macaroons was produced, and the cake compartment filled. Next, I don't suppose this will make quite 
as good dog-feed as a bird laughed a girl holding open a bag of sliced ham while ellen filled the meat-dish next a box of candy was handed her and she stuffed every corner of the lunch-box with chocolates and nougat then it was closed and formally presented to elnora the girls each helped themselves to candy and olives and gave billy the remainder of the food billy took one bite of ham and approved Belle and Jimmy had given up chasing the dog, and angry and ashamed stood waiting half a block away. "'Come back!' cried Billy. "'You great dunces, come back! There's a new kind of meat, and cake and candy!' The boy delayed, but the girl joined Billy. Ellen wiped her fingers, stepped to the cement abutment, and began reciting Horatio at the bridge, substituting Elnora wherever the hero appeared in the lines. Elnora gathered up the sacks and gave them to Belle, telling her to take the food home, cut and spread their bread set things on the table, and eat nicely. Then Elnora was taken into the wagon with the girls, and driven on the run to the high school. They sang a song beginning, "'Elnora, please give me a sandwich. I'm ashamed to ask for cake.' As they went. Elnora did not know it, but that was her initiation. She belonged to the crowd. She only knew that she was happy, and vaguely wondered what her mother and Aunt Margaret would have said about the proceedings. End of chapter 6